Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Ukrainian forces finally launched their highly touted counter-offensive on August 29. But they shocked the world when, in just five days, they recaptured territory in eastern Ukraine that took Russian forces five months to capture. The dangling irony, of course, is that Russian President Vladimir Putin had the whole world convinced that the special military operation he launched on February 24 would require no more than five days to cleanse Ukraine of phantom neo-Nazis and annex the rest of it, the way he annexed Crimea in 2014. Yet here we are, seven months later. <laughs> but Russia's epic fecklessness on the battlefields of Ukraine has been equally matched by the propaganda projection and gaslighting coming out of the Kremlin, and all of it clearly intended to variously deflect, rationalize, and deny the genocidal war Putin is waging. This is why nobody was surprised when Dmitry Peshkov, the Kremlin's Baghdad Bob, reacted to the ongoing rout by Ukrainian forces by insisting that Russia's special military operation is not only going to plan, but meeting all of its military objectives. Except that Putin himself put the lie to this contention just last week, when he announced the immediate mobilization of another 300,000 troops and even threatened to use nukes to complete this operation. But so many Russians began fleeing the country and protesting haplessly in the streets, you would have thought Putin had just announced that an asteroid was headed straight for Russia and there wasn't a damn thing he or anyone else could do about it. <laughs> The truth, of course, is that the only objective this operation has accomplished is to turn Russia into a pariah state. Hell, even North Korea is more respectable and acceptable on the world stage these days. In the process, though, it has exposed Russia's once vaunted military as little more than a band of marauding, pillaging and genocidal maniacs who abuse women and children, but hightail it and run when confronted by military men and women. In fact, it speaks volumes that, mere hours after his mobilization order, Putin's so-called personal chef was caught on tape scavenging through prisons for recruits. Even worse, he was conning them not just with the promise of freedom if they survive six months serving as cannon fodder on the front lines, but with the permission to rape Ukrainian women and men 
as part of their honorable service to protect Mother Russia. But that Putin has been reduced to such recruits only hints at why Russian fighters have failed to achieve any of his stated military objectives. Because far more telling are reports that he's sending them to the Ukrainian front with rusty, worn-out weapons that don't even work. The question, of course, is why? I submit it's because Putin would rather conscript, strip and ship Russians to die as cannon fodder in a vain attempt to save face than enlist, train and arm them to fight as soldiers in a patriotic war for Russia, if it ever had to fight one. Putin is a man of many grievances. But his most notorious stems from his abiding belief that the disintegration of the Soviet Union was the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. But history shows that the Soviet Union disintegrated primarily because of three things. One, it turned out to be little more than a Potemkin superpower, stricken with disillusionment among its ruling elite. You know, like the Potemkin nuclear power North Korea is today. Two, it became humbled by manifest military incompetence, most notably displayed during its misadventure in Afghanistan. And three, it was rife with corruption, which did more to destroy the system from the inside than the West could ever do from the outside. Well, clearly nothing has changed. Indeed, the Santi Anna lesson afoot is beyond Shakespearean. After all, Putin's Russia is a floundering kleptocracy that he has marched into a geopolitical catastrophe, which seems bound to be the greatest of the 21st century, and we aren't even a quarter of the way through. <laughs> Is it any wonder? The Russians are fleeing! The Russians are fleeing! <laughs> Hundreds of thousands have made it to neighboring countries like Finland, Georgia, and Kazakhstan, and as far away as Turkey, Tunisia, and the UAE. And those who aren't fleeing are protesting and being arrested by the thousands. Except that Putin spent decades shaping Russia in his he-man macho image. So imagine the self-inflicted blow to his ego. For the whole world to see, Russian men responding to his clarion call to defend Mother Russia by fleeing the country in droves, leaving behind Russian women protesting in the streets and decrying him as a warmongering fool. At the risk of self-flattery, this compels me to note that Russian women are protesting 
pursuant to the amended Lysistrata strategy I laid out in the blog post. Women in Russia can stop war in Ukraine. Way back on March 5. I anticipated back then that even an amoral thug like Putin would find it untenable to lock thousands of Russian women in prison for long for protesting a war that he maintains is going to plan. I pray I am right. Incidentally, from the sublime to the ridiculous, American fugitive Edward Snowden was all over Russian TV last week, thanking Putin for finally granting him the Russian citizenship he has been seeking for nearly a decade. Never mind that Putin only did so to make him an even bigger useful idiot. Simply put, Putin wants to sacrifice him to show other sacrificial lambs that his cause must be a worthy one if a celebrity like Snowden is willing to fight and die for it. But the truth is that, as a former KGB spy for whom patriotism is everything, Putin must think Snowden is a cowardly rat for betraying his country and then running away. This is why I think he would have extradited Snowden back to America as part of a political bargain or prisoner exchange before ever granting him Russian citizenship. But then along came this opportunity to use him as the poster boy for cannon fodder. And Putin just couldn't resist. In any event, I'm encouraged that, despite his totalitarian control of all media, even ordinary Russians can see the writing on the wall. And it's telling them that Ukraine's counter-offensive is causing Putin so much humiliation, the sham referendums he orchestrated in the Donbass, and the mobilization he ordered across Russia, are clear signs that he is, in fact, losing control. More to the point, these Russian women know that their mobilized husbands, fathers, sons, brothers, and boyfriends will just end up as roadkill as Ukrainian forces continue their inexorable march to recapture every inch of their territory. And nothing demonstrates this quite like Ukrainian forces marking Putin's annexation of the Donetsk region of Ukraine at a jingoistic ceremony in Moscow on Friday by running Russian forces out of that region's most strategic town of Lyman on Saturday. But ordinary Russians are savvy enough to see that Putin is just willfully sacrificing them to gain wishful bargaining chips. Because he clearly thinks even mere ceremonial annexation 
will enable him to claim the Donbass as Russian territory when he's forced to negotiate a peace settlement. <laughs> Putin must be the only world leader who has no compunction about the whole world thinking of him as a burglar who kills half your family, steals half your belongings, and then expects the court to enforce a plea bargain, which not only lets him off scot-free, but requires you to split the belongings he stole with him. Remember how the Taliban ran U.S. forces out of their country last year? Well, imagine the ridicule if Biden had held a treaty signing ceremony at the White House in Washington to annex regions of Afghanistan as the world was watching that humiliating rout unfold. <laughs> because that's the ridiculous nature of what Putin did in Moscow on Friday. What, I came, you countered, I treated? <laughs> or, if you can't beat them, claim them? <laughs> Seriously, though, what will it profit Russia to claim four war-ravaged regions of Ukraine but lose its respect among all civilized nations of the world? Not to mention so much blood and treasure. Meanwhile, nothing demonstrates just how unhinged Putin has become, quite like the way he's reacting to his Axis partners, Xi of China and Modi of India, lecturing him at their Shanghai summit two weeks ago, because they made him publicly admit they have told him repeatedly they think his war in Ukraine is sheer folly. Yet, instead of ending it as soon as possible, like he promised them, Putin is doubling down. Which brings me back to those rusty, worn-out weapons that don't work. Because here is what I wrote in the comments section to a September 6 report by the BBC on Putin buying weapons from North Korea. And I quote, this puts the lie to Putin's attempt to portray Russia as a major player on the world stage. After all, to wage its own war, no self-respecting superpower would be caught dead, bargaining with a sanctioned pariah state like North Korea for artillery shells and rockets, all of which are probably hand-me-downs from the old Soviet Union. And this comes on the heels of Putin subjecting himself to worldwide humiliation by going hat in hand to Iran, which is even more of a pariah state than North Korea, to bargain for drones that probably don't work either. End quote. And here is why I think that comment presaged this September 25 report by the London Sun. Again, I quote, Footage has appeared 
of Russia's mobilization in shambles as rusted guns and 60-year-old tanks are handed to demoralized conscripts who prefer to surrender than fight. Putin's army has struggled to properly arm the 300,000 conscripts called up for duty and has grown so desperate that it's allegedly started deploying Soviet-era tanks to the front line. End quote. Only God knows how this war is going to end. But I feel moved to restate two things that I believe will stand the test of time. One, Vladimir Putin launched his genocidal invasion of Ukraine because he wants Russians to think of him as Vlad the Great emulating Peter the Great, just reclaiming territory for Mother Russia. But his fascistic behavior, complete with Z-swastikas, is giving them greater reason to think of him as Vlad the Poisoner, emulating Adolf the Gasser, just exterminating innocent Ukrainians for his own vain glory. And two, no matter what they think of him today, most Russians are bound to be dancing on Putin's grave sooner than Iraqis began dancing on Saddam Hussein's. That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.